0: Chase Thomas podcast, the Chase Thomas podcast, Um, (laughs) my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right.
1: Hello. And welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Joining me at this time, my good friend, fellow University of North Georgia alumni, Matt Green. Matt, good evening, sir. How are you?
0: Good evening, sir. How is, it, uh, how is it feeling right now As a, up there on Rocky Top?
1: I mean, it's electric. It's, it's wild. They're back uh, this week. You're not going to believe this, but uh, the network that has poured a lot of money into a particular conference is going back to a top-10 matchup uh, this weekend over another big-time matchup that has another network, a rival network, if you will, has poured a lot of money into uh, the success and uh, brand that is that other network. So, people are mad.
0: You've confused me. You gotta tell me who you're talking about. Okay, well, people (laughs)
1: were upset that Georgia, or that Tennessee and Alabama is getting game day and not Michigan and Penn State.
0: Oh, well, I mean, I just.
1: Two top 10 matchups. And they were like, you've already been to
0: Tennessee. They haven't been to Tennessee. And I think that's, I think because it's Tennessee, game day couldn't trust them to take care of business right so they're like look tennessee's undefeated florida's coming to town this is a big one we can't mm. trust that tennessee's gonna go undefeated in <laughs> this alabama game is still gonna be as big but yeah alabama tennessee i mean this is this is way bigger like all due respect to michigan penn state like if alabama's coming into a game i mean i've seen different things earlier in the day i saw like 17 point favorite now i've seen like six and a half seven and a half so like well most i've I'm seen not is exactly eight. sure yeah i've seen so around eight alabama comes into a game on the road as a not a double digit favorite this is clearly the biggest game of the week
1: and we don't really know the line's going to keep moving because bryce young is still very much up in the air like if Bryce gets ruled out I mean, the one thing I will yeah. just go ahead and just hammer it right now uh, is the money line on Tennessee. Just go ahead and take that. Like, if you have not already jumped on that, uh, go ahead and do that uh, out of the gate here. But mm. I uh, I don't know, man. Well, I mean, look at – I mean, Matt, Matt Green, we will get into my picks over the weekend, but I'm pretty certain that I've already wrapped this dang thing up uh, for this year because if my math is correct when I was watching yesterday um, – and also, shout out to my parents who are going to listen to this – uh, uh, tomorrow they they quote me uh, when we watch games. Now they came up for the weekend uh, to watch Tennessee, LSU, and uh, do some other stuff up here on the farm and stuff. And uh, they they mentioned certain things. I'm saying they're like, yeah, you pick blank, or you said this to Matt, or they uh, apparently referred to someone as a uh, Debbie Downer, and my mom didn't like that because my mother is named Debbie, and there's like a bad connotation with like Debbie Downer. So like every word I'm saying on this very program. Matt Green is being carefully analyzed. So I, I,
0: did I say Debbie Downer? Did you say Debbie Downer? I said
1: Debbie Downer, apparently. Mm, your yeah. own
0: mother, sir. I, it,
1: hey, it's a betrayal <laughs> unlike any other. Um, but shout out to my mom who, uh, this is completely off topic, but I'd never heard of this. My mother has uh, been on this planet for nearly 60 years and got stung by a yellow jacket on her tongue today, driving home, uh, eating a barbecue sandwich.
0: She was driving while eating a barbecue. No, no, no. they sandwich. stopped
1: for lunch and got mm. at a at a barbecue place. She there was a lot. Of, they ate outside, and apparently there were a, there was a yellow jacket problem. But one of the yellow jackets found its way into her barbecue sandwich, wow. and she got stung on her tongue by a yellow jacket. I
0: remember there was some video we saw in health class, but I hope I, first of all I hope your mom gets better. You know, she's on the,
1: Benadryl. She's uh, I think better. She's been sleeping, but she said it still hurts. I don't really know what you do. I, I was yeah. I. It's not fun. sounds awful. But I remember some
0: video in like health class we watched in like, I don't know, 10 years old, 11 years old, where like a kid drank like a a soda can and had like a yellow jacket or something inside it and it like stung his mouth and then he had like an allergic reaction or something. And I feel like it was like a low key fear of mine (laughs) for like, like picking up a can of soda like outside. Like, I don't know. I just, I, I vividly remember that, that video in health class.
1: I don't think we ever watched that video, and we both went to the Sticks same county. You. So I'm trying to think: did I miss this? Did I sleep through this uh, video? Because I'm I'm certain that Gwinnett County, there was a lot of, a lot of stuff that we all watched uh, together. It's just
0: the higher level of education you get at an mm. institution like North Gwinnett High School. You know, I guess that's mm. that's what that is.
1: Maybe. Although Maybe. I think
0: that was Lanier Middle School at that point, which oh. is currently the high school where I went to middle school became Lanier High School. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and then they hmm. built a North Gwinnett middle school, so yeah.
1: I never knew that.
0: Yeah, huh. Fun fun fact for you.
1: I also didn't realize that Warren Burrell went to North Gwinnett, the cornerback who we've had for oh, the last yeah. three years, who we've been annoyed by. Uh, get well soon, Warren Burrell. Um, but did not even realize it, because I was looking up some stuff, I'm like, North Gwinnett? I didn't realize he went to North Gwinnett. Um, but
0: yeah. It's a factory, man. Lose track <laughs> of all the players coming out of North these, year, these uh, last few, last decade or so, really.
1: You're just a northern so guy.
0: Few, so few go to Georgia, though. Warren Erickson right now is backup mm. center for Georgia. But so few of them go to Georgia, it feels like. Like, Barrett Carter at Clemson. Mitch Hyatt was big time, went to Clemson. There's, they seem to go all over the place, but, but rarely to Georgia.
1: Hmm. Maybe they just don't want to be Bulldogs all over again. They're Bulldogs in high school. They don't want to do it all over again. <laughs> Maybe.
0: Anymore. Jared Cook, like CJ Uzoma. Like, yeah. There's a lot of them. None of them. Uh, none of them pick Georgia or very rarely do they pick Georgia. I can't really Devondre mm-hmm. Seymour, Richard Seymour's mm-hmm. I don't know if he was his son or his nephew. I think he may have been his nephew, but he like never played like after his freshman year at Georgia, like medically disqualified or something like that. But he's one of the few that actually picked Georgia coming out of high school.
1: Hmm. Well, there might be a, a reason behind that one. Uh, like with his uh, uncle's lineage, uh, one of the best Georgia Bulldogs of all time. Uh, yeah. You NFL Hall it. of Famer nfl hall of famer that's right um yeah you had a north thing man you're you're not a stark but you could be north gwinnett north georgia just uh all north all the time that's true Green. ng
0: both of them for sure
1: ng you should get that tattooed man ng matt g mg and oh man i'm just doing all of this ng mg that's <laughs> tough to say fast Um, Well, don't forget, folks, you can check out this show each and every day uh, here on the Blue Wire Pod Network by uh, checking us out on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. If you're a first-time listener, please make sure uh, you go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you never miss a future episode here on the program. This is a daily show, so all kinds of great stuff each and every day. But on Monday mornings, guess what? Yeah, College Triple Recap Show right here for you in your podcast app of choice Check us out on youtube as we continue growing out the youtube page youtube.com chase Thomas podcast like and subscribe and all that good stuff over there you can also email this very program at chase thomas podcast at gmail.com follow matt at matt underscore underscore green follow myself at chase double underscore thomas um matt we uh we have a new AP poll you mentioned the big one uh this weekend uh with two top 10 teams. Tennessee remains perfect five and M. We'll get into that matchup over the weekend. Alabama also remains perfect over the weekend. So we have a we have a little bit of a shakeup atop the AP top twenty five poll. Where I think it's pretty much it's a lot more settled. I think than a week ago. There's not a lot of complaints, and you kind of get towards the end of the poll and you're like man we're kind (laughs) of if you have a problem with uh illinois getting the 24 spot or james madison you look behind him it's like are you sure north carolina is the 25th like you're really just uh i don't know Uh, it's a little much if you're getting upset or uh hot and bothered like some folks were a week ago um about the ap top 25 what did you what did you make of it matt green
0: well, I had to uh, eat my own words, uh, not on the podcast, but um, me and my brother were texting back and forth on Saturday night. Like, uh, As we all saw, uh, Texas A&M nearly upset Alabama. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, Georgia got punished for their close loss at Missouri, but I guarantee Alabama's not going to get punished. They're going to be like, oh, A&M, they're, this, this is a tough A&M <laughs> team. You know, mm-hmm. Alabama got in a dogfight, quality win. But I was incorrect, so I uh, I stood corrected. Alabama dropped from one to three mm-hmm. after a victory. I would venture to say that's the first time ever under Nick Saban that Alabama has won and dropped from mm. one, tra- dropped two spots. I feel like Georgia, Georgia's dropped after winning as number one, I think, multiple times in my life. I, I think they were number four uh, that year with Matthew Stafford after the starting like 5-0 and o, after being preseason number one just because they didn't looked the most impressive but so i do have to to bite my own eat my own words there so georgia's back at at top at number one and ohio state jumped to number two and then we got the tennessee volunteers Mm. creeping up there to number six there's i feel like there's really been a a, a big five like in the rankings all year you know we've kind of i think most people kind of think georgia alabama and ohio state are a level above everybody else. But Michigan and Clemson, I think, have been that solid four and five each week. Clemson probably getting more and more solid as, as the year goes on. But Tennessee now, getting up there to number six, I feel like that's uh, that's real interesting. And this is like what I told you before the season started. Tennessee's season is already a success now, in my opinion. Starting 5-0 and and just having college game day come to Neyland Stadium, have all this hype around the Alabama game. Like that's just, that's half of the battle in building a program back. It's just playing these marquee games and just have people talking about your program. Have the, just this electric vibe around the city. Have all these recruits have the number one game in college football that that all the recruits want to be at. Like the season is already a success, I think, in terms of, of what tennessee's done so far obviously they could lose three more games if they go nine and three lose to alabama and georgia's probably still expected at this point but not not as not nearly as much of a foregone conclusion as it was thought at the start of the season um but they could still lose three games and it's you've seen like tangible progress that you can get excited for as a tennessee fan so love seeing the vols up there at number six um, and then Penn State going from unranked now uh, into the top ten. I think uh, I think these these teams we have right now in the top ten, with it, with the absent with the exception of Ole Miss, I think all of those teams seem like very solid like contenders here. Like at this point, like these all seem like playoff contenders. Like hmm. with all due respect to Kentucky, like we saw Kentucky get up to like number eight. Like we've seen like Iowa get up to number two last year, even Oregon at two or three, and it was just like okay, we're all waiting for these teams to lose. Like, they're not really, they're not legit contenders. But you look at, you should look at all the teams in there. I think all three teams in the, in the at the top of the Big Ten, like, the, I think they're all serious contenders. You look at, I mean, even go to 11. USC and UCLA look like legit contenders coming out of the Pac-12. And even Oklahoma State, like, I think TCU is a little a little lower there. And we'll obviously talk more about TCU in a minute. But even Oklahoma and TCU, like there just seems to be like a lot of solid contenders, and I love to see this because I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical about going to the 12-team playoff to begin with. So seeing a year like this where we're only five, six games in, but there's already a, a good number of contenders uh, out in in, the, in college football right now. And how would
1: it be? Do who gets buys in the 12-team model that they've thrown out?
0: So the top four would get buys. Okay, so then you and would then look the that five, 12. six, seven, eight would all get home playoff games.
1: And that would be like, you get Oklahoma State, Ole Miss, and Stillwater. Uh, that would be cool. USC hosting Penn State, Tennessee hosting UCLA. Well, right now we'd be looking yeah.
0: at what? We'd be looking at Michigan hosting Oregon, Oregon in the mm-hmm. first round, Tennessee hosting UCLA. Yeah, that would be incredible. USC hosting Ole Miss, or am I looking at that wrong? USC uh, no, USC Penn would be hosting State.
1: Penn State, yeah.
0: I mean... I'm skeptical because, like, we just have this, I don't know, this view of what college football is. Like, the the regular season is so important. You got to go almost perfect to win a national championship. But, man, let's not act like just seeing all of these teams. And we never play each other, you mm-hmm. know? It's like we get to see these games like Oklahoma-Florida in the Sugar Bowl. And all the key players are, are out. And it's just the game doesn't <laughs> matter. So, it's, it's nice. I'm going to be... Uh, excited to start to see some of these games but yeah there's just a lot of teams up there at the top that i feel like i'm just interested to see how it plays out
1: yeah i mean there's one team i will go ahead and circle texas being at 22 um i don't think they were ranked uh last year oh, last week so um i think they're going to continue to rise and we'll get more into that i would say the one to look out for um that i think is most i mean Oklahoma State just picking up the like right where they left off last year and really having no letdown after missing the playoff this past year in just horrific uh, circumstances uh just being stopped 1 yard short I think Mike Gundy deserves all the credit in the world for getting them to bounce back up and just pretend like nothing happened and uh be 5 and out at this point and be the leaders in the Big 12 like uh, I'm not sure when Penn State or Oklahoma State and TCU play but that is going to be a lot a lot of fun and i will say too and i'm curious about you mentioned four and five that michigan and clemson have been locked in there for a while and i agree i would just be curious like what the line would be for tennessee and michigan on a neutral site um because michigan has not played a soul yet and they're getting a lot of credit mm-hmm. uh for what they're doing to this point and look michigan might be really good blake quorum's legit but they have still just played absolutely with something we said before the season it's like we're not really gonna know what Michigan is for a long time. And I think people have just been penciling them in and I'll mention this. Again we got with Tennessee Penn State this week, right? Yes. So we'll learn a lot this week, but I mean, their schedule by and large, is a pretty, pretty manageable schedule. We are like, they're going to walk into tenant two uh, at the very least and Clemson, uh, pass in Clemson, passing some tests, but we still just uh, wait and see. It's like, you're still just waiting for the bottom to fall out for whatever reason with Clemson. But I would still say right now, Tennessee is a better team than Michigan, just because we've seen more and I think they actually should be ahead of Michigan. Like you could sell me on Clemson staying ahead of Tennessee right now, but I think based on Tennessee's resume versus what Michigan has done to this point, Tennessee's won three games against top 25 teams already to start this year. And they're the only team in, uh, FBS to do that. The only one. So, I mean, that is a, it's a big deal right now. And I just think it's early in the season. So you're really splitting hairs here, but I would put uh, Tennessee over Michigan and put them at five.
0: Yeah, I think you could definitely make that argument. I think, I mean, you saw like Michigan, like Harbaugh, they used the first what three games as as like practice, essentially mm-hmm. figure out who their quarterback was. So yeah, this schedule's been real soft. It's definitely going to start to pick up here. Um, and then your other question of Oklahoma TCU is going to be fun. That's that's also this weekend. Is it really so, this week too? I don't yeah. Like so so that's going to be. It's an awesome slate with 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 TCU Oklahoma State um who were we just talking about uh michigan penn state and Mm -hmm. alabama tennessee there's there's some huge ones this week for sure and then um also two things Mm -hmm. is it a little like obviously we're going to be accused of being like the biggest kentucky haters in the world (laughs) but i feel like losing without will levis putting him down nine spots feels a little harsh like if unless Mm. he's unless he's still out and he's i don't know how long will levis is supposed to be out for but I don't know, it feels, I mean, I don't think they're much better than the 20th ranked team in the country, so having them out down at 22, I don't necessarily disagree with, but I don't know, I felt dropping them nine spots, South Carolina's not a good team, but without their backup, or with their backup quarterback, it's a little tough. And then, um, and shout out to James Madison, five games ever in the FBS and they're already ranked, so that's, uh, that's crazy.
1: They're the only FBS team to never lose an FBS game, do you know that?
0: I did not know that
1: Still haven't lost an FPS game
0: So at least they got that going for them I remember a few years back um, The first year of 7A um, I was covering Pinecrest Academy uh, Was playing Discovery At home mm. and It couldn't have been more than like the second or third Game of the season and this coach I interviewed the uh, Pinecrest Academy One, they're like a single A private school Beat 7A Discovery And uh, the coach made a big deal. Like you tell, you write in the paper that that's the first single A team to ever beat a seven A school. And so I, I go to my editor. I'm like, he said this was the first time that's ever happened. Is that true? He's like, well, yeah. This is like the second week that seven A has even existed. So yeah, <laughs> I'm sure it's probably true. So it was, it was kind of funny. But but yeah, shout out to to James. The Monarchs is that there? No, mm-hmm. Bulldogs. Bulldogs. Who's yeah. Mon? Old Dominion. Are Old they the Dominion. Monarchs? That's who I'm getting yeah. those confused. ODU JMU yeah. something like that but yeah <clears throat> and, and Illinois back in the uh, in the top 25 as well so it's been a an interesting year a lot of teams getting ranked in the a lot of different new teams getting ranked in the top 25
1: absolutely absolutely um Matt Green do you have your green line stat of the weekend for us
0: uh, I do have my green line stat of the weekend, and it goes uh, with the Alabama Crimson Tide. Obviously, we saw them narrowly escape an upset at home to Texas A&M, and it got me thinking of how many one-loss games Alabama's had, or one-score <clears throat> one games Alabama's had recently. So... In 2021 and so far half of the 2022 season, not even half because they're probably going to end up playing 14, 15 games like they usually do. They've had 16 games versus Power 5 competition and eight games they either lost or won by one score. So Mm. half of their games versus Power 5 competition in the last season and a half have been one score games or Georgia beat them by two scores but still lost in that one. You got to go, if you go from 2017 to 2020, four year span, they played 46 power five opponents to have eight that were decided by one score or or one score or they lost. So the last 16 games was the same number of one score games as the previous 46 before hmm. that. So something about, obviously they were playing with their backup quarterback, but... Uh, there's just something about Alabama. Like they still might be the number one team in the country. They still might win the national championship, but they're clearly not at the just dominant level of invincibility that they were once at. And so it's, there's a lot more good teams are left on this schedule. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if they can, if they can run the table this year.
1: For sure. Uh, I mean, I think of the three, I mean, I've said this for weeks now and I, I mean, we'll see. Ohio State of the three looks the big three looks the most daunting of a of a team to beat uh, once on any given Saturday. Right now, I think Ohio State's my number one, Georgia two, Bama three um, of the three. If I had to uh, if I had to really rank it and like be most stunned by any team sneaking up and getting them in the playoff or whoever, I just that's where I'm at. And I think Bama looks beatable.
0: That might be true, but it's like kind of like you were talking about with michigan like ohio state it, it feels like they've just kind of been sleepwalking like each week we're not even have we picked their game on the pick'em since week one versus notre dame it's like hmm. it's what are they playing a bunch of i mean they're uh, at michigan state group this of week. five schools and then yeah rutgers and michigan state um yeah i mean wisconsin isn't just mm-hmm. a. a push over school, but obviously they fired their head coach and things aren't going very well, which more details have emerged around the recruiting and the things that are going on with Wisconsin. So maybe that that firing is a little more understandable. But Ohio State, and you heard, I don't know if you heard on, on College Game Day this week, Desmond Howard throwing some shade at Ohio State, basically saying, you know, when are they going to join the rest of college football and start playing like FBS games, essentially, and, and then the whole set is like, you're talking about Michigan here, bro. Like Michigan hasn't say, played anybody. Yeah. So as, as much as it does feel like Ohio State hasn't really – like we haven't really been talking about any of their games week in and week out. And then they got another one with Iowa this week that they should probably dominate. Um, I just – I feel like I just have no idea who Ohio State is. I mean, other than just feeling pretty confident on how good their personnel is and just seeing with the eye test how much they dominate everybody – I just I don't with the level of competition they played so far it's it's hard to say they're they're a clear number one ahead of Georgia or Alabama to this point.
1: I guess for me it's just the most complete like they fixed the defense with Jim Knowles like that was just such a big hiring for them and the defense looks really good. Um, I think they've won every single game by double digits uh, to this point. Um, they haven't had a stinker yet and I don't know I, I just I'm waiting for a, a sign of. Uh, mortality uh, of just, yeah, just, I I don't know. I just haven't seen it with Ohio State yet. I've seen just uh, chinks in the armor with Georgia and Alabama at this point. I just haven't seen it to Ohio State. It doesn't mean it won't come. It just means that I haven't seen it yet.
0: No, I think that's fair. And I think Georgia and I think uh, Alabama both played tougher schedules at this point, but like Missouri and Texas A&M were not two of those tougher games. And both of those teams nearly beat. Uh, georgia and alabama so yeah i I would definitely i'll agree with you there even though rutgers and wisconsin even notre dame in week one like they had no idea where their offense was they're they're starting to, to pick it up but they looked awful the first few weeks of the season
1: yeah um but we shall see we shall see um matt green this is going to be my favorite segment week over week in this fall regular season i think just based on uh how things are going but uh my guess, when I was doing the math on how my pick went this past week, <laughs> I think I had a pretty good weekend in our uh, picks and predictions for week six. Am I correct in that assessment?
0: You did, sir. You had a pretty, pretty good weekend, mm. as, uh, as Larry David would say. Um, so I'll start with my weekend. I had a very solid 8-3 and three performance overall. Mm. But 5-6 and six against the spread, mm. uh, which was which tough. Um, you, on the other hand, went seven and four against the spread, which is probably not as good as you thought. But that's mm-hmm. because you went a perfect eleven and zero overall, sir. So I gotta, I gotta give you a little applause for that one. Eleven and zero, perfect, perfect overall for uh, for week six. Zeus had LSU as his home dog for the second time this season. They let him down this time and absolutely got boat raced by the Tennessee Volunteers. He had so, it coming. So Zeus is now, what does that make it? Two and four on the season with his home dog. Not not giving the people winners out there as much as he was a year ago. But mm. um, on the year, you are 52 and 17 Whew. overall. A 10-game lead on me. I'm 42 and 27 you can start sounding the trumpets <laughs> if you want like a, like the New York Mets, but uh, the Braves, we, we got a hot streak in us. so don't don't count us out yet. Um, and then against the spread you are 35, 32 and 2 and I am 30, 37 and 2. So you got a 10 game lead overall and a five game lead against the spread. So things are looking good for, uh, for Chase Thomas on, on the full ride pick'em we got going
1: on I mean 52 and 17 it's pretty
0: And 35 good. and 32 35 32 and 2 against the spread if you're over 50% against the spread I mean that's that's a success in my book I'm
1: making money I'm making money for folks and just in your pickup. I hope you're if you're in those uh survivor pools you could ride and die with me this whole year and you're going the, you're going the distance and the ride or die with me like just uh, if you're in a survival pickup, listening to this uh, make sure you jot down my lock of the week each week because that's how you you easily win that office pool and show off your uh, your college football clairvoyance.
0: And not that I want to boost your ego anymore than no, already can, continue is. Continue on. Yeah, this um, is great. I'm going to read your week in, week out results so far this year. So you were 3-0 and in week zero, mm-hmm. 10-1 <laughs> in week one. Then you follow that up with four straight seven and fours. And then on an eleven and zero here in week six, so no stinkers. Yeah, it, overall you've been um, big time every week against the spread. That's a little tougher, but the, overall the tar, you've been man. killing it.
1: I mean, that's the thing. Like you said, you want to be a little bit over fifty percent if you can get there. But the the ATS man, because like if anyone was like significantly over uh, the spread, like they're they're making uh, a heck of a lot of money, uh, and they're not doing pods and everything else. They're uh, living lavishly in some deserted island uh at this moment hey,
0: your boy uh, was 84 67 and three against the spread last year you know so mm. I, I i gotta add i gotta boost my credibility a little bit this year just so just so people out there if they just started listening in 2022 so they know i i do kind of know what i'm talking about sometimes
1: no, you hey, you're you don't have a losing record. It's not like that. Like you said. No, I do have a losing
0: record against the spread. No,
1: I mean I'm talking about your pick 'em, like the, oh, the yeah, main yeah. thing, which I think is the more important thing. The more important one is the pick 'em. Um That's for us. It. And if you're under 500 uh several weeks into the season on the pick 'em, like you shouldn't be hosting a college football program. <laughs> uh, you got to get out of here. Get them out of there um but yeah well where are we going first matt green or is that what What do we decide am i the one on the recap show leading us or yeah you re-
0: recap that's up to you man
1: all right let's get started with uh tcu they win at kansas <clears throat> where game day was this weekend fun atmosphere fun game but this was also on at the same time tennessee and lsu was so i had to watch this back later um, but seeing the highlights during the game was like, oh, this is back and forth, and it was about what you expected. And if you're a Kansas fan, a TCU fan, this is what you wanted. Um, especially if you're a Big 12 fan as a whole, uh, you're the commentary. Like this is this is fun that uh, this is happening, and it was happening at the same time as OU Texas. A lot of big games were out of the way all at noon, which I didn't really like, um, but. First half, both defenses showed up. I mean, this looked like it was going to be a low-scoring game. Jalen Daniels had a rough fumble at the goal line that resulted in TCU responding, going 99 yards and scoring a touchdown, which is extremely impressive by Cindy Dykes Bunch. And then uh, Daniels got knocked out for the second half of this game. Uh, Bean came in. Their backup was good. Um, he had a 16-24 for 262, four TDs uh in a limited amount of action so it really wasn't the reason that tennessee that tennessee that kansas did not ultimately pull this one off um it was just they could not get to stop late when they needed one when quentin johnson had an absolutely nasty touchdown grab in the back of the end zone uh late in the fourth from max duggan who had another big time game for the horn frogs to uh to seal it uh what did you uh what did you make of the frogs staying undefeated and uh, given Lance Leipold his first loss this season at Kansas.
0: Yeah, that was a ridiculous catch uh, in the back of the end zone. Um, you said Johnson, Quentin yeah, Johnson. Quentin that Johnson made that yeah, Quentin Johnson, yeah. Yeah, um, it was disappointing to see Jalen Daniels get hurt in this one. I wasn't sure how, how much that affected the game since, like you said, Jason Bean did play so well when he came in. But yeah, I mean, you had to be impressed with TCU uh, just going on the road, like. Kansas is still, I feel like, not one of the best teams in the Big Twelve. But this team this year has been has looked very good, and you gotta you gotta credit going into a like just an absolute rowdy environment. Like this is just the the, the loudest Kansas Lawrence Kansas is ever going to be for a football game probably, and it was a big time win. Max Duggan, I feel like I was really impressed with how he played, and yeah, TCU. TCU Oklahoma State. I'm excited for that one. I think that's. I think those those look like the two best teams in the Big Twelve right now.
1: Yeah, and I cannot wait for that this weekend. Um, it's going to be a good one. But look, man, Max Duggan, an amazing story. Uh, wasn't supposed to start. Has been there forever. Uh, grinded. Been great. Um, and Jalen Daniel stuck around uh, at Kansas, who was another Matter Day. Uh, what is it? Matter? Is it just Matter Day or Matter Day High School? Yeah um he's in matter. max day guy. Duggan's
0: a matter day guy
1: no jalen daniels is and oh, okay. so is uh jt daniels so i was like oh interesting i, I didn't realize that yeah, matt barkley
0: i think yeah. is a matter day
1: so i mean great story but kansas was not going to go undefeated i think the better team won this one um the horn frogs man that offense is fun they have a lot of big big play threats um they kind of remind me a little bit of tennessee uh when you watch them uh they had a really big Uh, screen action in this one they do a lot of fun stuff and they really stretch you vertically and they really put a lot of pressure on opposing defenses like they're a really tough team uh to keep down and sonny dykes has that thing humming right out of the gate but i have something for you uh that should warm the horn frog fans hearts uh gary patterson who i don't know if you remember is a analyst assistant to the head coach some kind of deal with the texas longhorns now um He asked, he was interviewed after the Texas win over Oklahoma, and he was just asked about, or he was just interviewed, and he asked about the TCU game following the win. The dude still bleeds purple and black, so shout out to Gary Patterson. Even after going out in a really rough, awkward way where he's kind of forced out, and I think, doesn't he have a statue at TCU? I was about to say,
0: you got a statue there. You can never, like, be disconnected from there. You're always, that's always your, the, the, the prime years of your career.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think it's cool though, that he went out of his way to ask and check up on his frog. So I'm glad he still uh, loves his uh, TCU Horned Frogs because, hey, goat TCU coach, and that's cool. Um, Matt Green, next up, my favorite, you're not going to believe this, uh, the Tennessee Volunteers crushed the LSU Tigers. Uh, Zeus, um, unfortunately, and yourself did not see the light. It was one of those unfortunate things where people just needed to see it they were still waiting for the bomb to fall out for these balls like oh we've heard tennessee is back before uh, the balls are back let's see it let's see it let's see it and it's like oh now they're just five and oh and now this seems like the game where a lot of folks have just kind of not just tennessee fans but i think national folks have been like okay this tennessee team is legit like to beat Pitt, florida and LSU regardless of what you think about this current iteration of LSU um it's still always going to be tough to go into Death Valley and win that game like that is a tough place to play and Tennessee showed up like it's one of those things when you're now a top 10 team and they were coming into this one to just kind of look ahead to Alabama and just be like man you know Alabama is uh we have them at home next week this could be two undefeated teams and really overlook a lsu team like this and that's not what happened like heupel deserves a lot of credit and brent hubs of VolQuest uh, put this really well and i think it's an under talked about aspect of who josh heupel is as a head coach which is that like his teams get up for every single game like there are no slow starts like out of the gate here lsu fumbles the opening kickoff um the vols jump on it touchdown early they're up 10-0 early big punt return he puts d williams in his first game as a Tennessee volunteer, he's been out all year. First FBS game as a uh, college football player coming in from JUCO, he has a he almost has a punt return touchdown on his first punt return. So it's a lot of faith to put him back there, and he gets tripped up by the LSU punter, as a bear, at the last uh, possible moment. I mean, Tennessee was just ready to go. Like they are, they it just I think it's a testament to him to be able to get these guys up for these big games week over week when. They haven't been there. None of these guys have been in this spot before. And it's easy when you start rising uh, up the charts the way Tennessee has and you're getting all these people telling you you have the best offense, you're this, you're that, to kind of take for granted where you're at. And you overlook a team like LSU uh, on the road at noon. And they were like, nope, we're starting off hot and we're burying them early. And I think Heupel deserves a lot of credit. But the fact that this one just... Tennessee is in a different phase, is the best way I'd put it, where last year, something I talked about coming into this game where I was like, the reason I was pretty certain that Tennessee would win this game, big, and I think this is one where I I got the spread and this, was just that, like, the problem against Florida that LSU did not present was just Anthony Richardson would stay in the pocket, and he was finding Ricky Pearsall and Justin Shorter and guys downfield. Uh, they had a passing attack. They were able to attack this Tennessee secondary, and Anthony Richardson was very, very hard to bring down. He was not getting sacked. He was having dudes thrown at him, and he was just getting incompletions when they should have been sacks. Jane Daniels wasn't that guy. He took five sacks in this one. He was pressured a bunch. He is just not that guy. They did not fall victim to the mistakes that Tennessee made Uh, again in the big games they lost last year where Matt Corral was converting every third and 15 by a QB scramble. Emory Jones at Florida was converting every third and 12, fourth and eight. Like they kept finding ways to convert where they just found spots uh, moving with their legs. That's not what Jalen Daniels did in this one. And I think Tennessee deserves a lot of credit for cleaning that up. They're just disciplined. And the pass rush is real. Like they're doing a lot of cool stunts. Like Joshua Josephs had a big sack in this one. Um, Rodney Gardner has just put in an amazing amount of work with his defensive line. I think the linebackers still leave a lot to be desired. The secondary's weak, but he's rotating like 11, 12 dudes deep, and they're all playing really well. And I think that's uh, under talked about part of who Tennessee is now at this point with their defense is that you can't run on Tennessee. And that's something that I think is important to um, talk about too, is that Tennessee, I mean, they're just – they they're not allowing any big plays like that. They're a bend don't break, and I think it's huge as they get their third top twenty-five victory um, on the season over twenty uh, number twenty-five LSU. Um, the eleven nine of the eleven uh, highest graded ball defenders were defensive linemen in this game. Um, that matters when guys like Christian Charles gets torched all game long, six uh, receptions on eight targets. I mean, it's just it's huge, and also no Cedric Tillman great guess what jalen hyatt's going to turn to a star he had a humongous touchdown deep down the left seam um dan orlovsky uh at one point in the game diagram did you see this uh diagram the tennessee touchdown uh in the red zone where he calls this inside post um to jalen Hyatt. he he literally diagrams what jalen hyatt should run there and it's exactly what they call on the touchdown to hyatt um but they're just they ran the ball extremely well jabari small was awesome hidden hooker on those qb draws is damn near unstoppable and the biggest thing, Tennessee, when you have a weak defense, and this is something that people overlook when they're like, oh, the defense. Like A lot of the Georgia fans, Alabama fans, whoever, they're like, oh, but, but that defense. Here is something that you can do when you have a, a, a questionable secondary. You don't put your defense in holes. And that is what Tennessee never does. Hooker does not throw interceptions. He does not turn the ball over. He does not give opposing defenses offenses short fields like Tennessee's not doing that they're not doing the boneheaded stuff that they did a couple times in the pick game to keep it from being a 30 point swing like they they have cleaned a lot of that up and when you have a quarterback who's so efficient and just challenging teams downfield the way he is with 10 point whatever yards per attempt it's just really really hard to stop this group and they're just humming on all on all accounts, and I mean, Tennessee is a top five, top six team in the country right now, and uh, you can do that uh, when, I mean, if you're weakly against the secondary, it is what it is, but they have a lot of other excellent, efficient, damn near impossible weapons to stop, and this was without Cedric Tillman in the last two weeks. Brew McCoy had another big one. I think he had, uh, what was it? Yeah, seven catches for 140 yards. Like, they have weapons out the wazoo, and it's just you're going to have to score 40-plus to beat this Tennessee team right now. What did you make of it, Matt Green? That's a lot I just threw at you.
0: So you threw a lot at me, exactly. Um, I had to get it
1: off my chest. It's been stor- I've been storing it up.
0: The first thing I'll say is this is the statement win we were looking for from Tennessee. I think this is what we were looking for in the Florida game that was kind of keeping some people from jumping completely on the Tennessee bandwagon. Like, this wasn't the best Florida team that you beat by, what, five points or, or something, whatever it came down to. Mm-hmm. So this was a huge win to go into Death Valley, and and what's what was the last time they went won a road game versus SEC West team? It was like 2008 or something. Yeah, it It wasn't that the super long streak. Mm -hmm. And I think that gets probably too much is made of that because literally half of their SEC West games since (laughs) since the uh, expansion 2012 have been against Alabama. Mm -hmm. But and if you look at it too, Tennessee has had some of the worst luck with SEC West uh rotations like they got LSU back in 2011 when they played for national championship like they got um I think it was they got Ole Miss I know in 20 or not Ole Miss uh Auburn in 2013 when they played for national championship they got Ole Miss the year they were very really good in 2014 like ranked top five or something A&M even a year with with Trevor Knight when they were undefeated like Tennessee's had some bad luck on who they've gotten from the SEC West but the one thing I have to push back, I'm I'm gonna give you that this was like a big time win for Tennessee. Like going into Death Valley is always big time, but the three wins over top twenty five teams, can can we give them credit for that when none of those teams are currently ranked?
1: Wait, say, hold on.
0: You're saying Pitt, Florida, and LSU are all ranked teams. Yes, right? when they beat them. But none of those teams are currently ranked, so I don't because know because Tennessee how much... beat them. Yeah, and they also lost to, like, two or three other teams. Well, hold on. Like,
1: Florida won this past week against Mizzou.
0: Florida has how many losses? Two or three? Two. two. They have two. LSU, they beat has, two. Yeah. LSU has two. Utah, yeah. LSU has two. Pitt has two. The second to Georgia Tech. Yeah. They're out of the top 25. That's all I'm saying. Not that I'm not trying to rain on the Tennessee fan parade, but the top 25 wins. A little skewed. That's all. That's all I'll say here to this point, but... To, I mean, would you say
1: two at least two of those three will finish in the top twenty-five when it's all said and done this season?
0: Uh, I definitely wouldn't say that. I hmm. I think Ella. I I would probably think none of those teams will finish ranked. I mean, Pittsburgh after losing to Georgia Tech. I mean, shout out to Brent Key and Tech's got two straight wins now. But like, yeah, it, for them to lose to Georgia Tech, like I don't know how bad you have to be to lose to Georgia Tech. So I can see Pittsburgh losing multiple times. LSU I think they really haven't gotten into the meat of their schedule yet they've obviously played Auburn and Tennessee and Mississippi State to this point like they've played a couple of tough games but they still have Alabama they still have Arkansas they still have who else Texas A&M on the schedule like LSU could easily lose two more times and like a eight and four LSU team probably doesn't finish ranked and same with Florida. I mean, they still have they've lost twice already, still have to play Georgia, still have to play Texas AM, Florida State, even can uh South Carolina is still on the schedule. So like I don't know. I don't know how many I Florida's losing at least at least one more time, most likely two more times, I would say. So I, I would if I were to bet, I would bet none of those teams finish ranked.
1: I don't know. We'll see. Um I have a fun uh Tennessee is back point too for you. You ready? What's that? So that was Tennessee's fourth win versus a ranked opponent for head coach Josh Heupel. Um, That's the most wins over ranked teams in the first two seasons to start a UT career since Philip Fulmer had four from Mm. 92 to
0: 93. So you're telling me Heupel's the next Phil Fulmer.
1: I don't think he's the next Phil Fulmer, but there is someone who is a name redacted, who I won't say on this podcast, who compared him to uh, another 90s great. Uh, head coach, that I think is if you take away the personality aspect of it, I could you could We're sell. We're talking me.
0: Steve Spurrier right now. We are talking about the Spurrier oh, Florida the and Mm-hmm.
1: That's what I think. And honestly, like I said, Hypo and Steve have none of the same personality <laughs> traits. But I think the offense, the explosion, where you're like, this is going to be sustainable for a while and it's just going to annoy a lot of. Teams in the SEC for years to come and it's fun and it attracts big time players because they want to play in the system. I think that is uh I think it's a fair comparison. I think uh Spurrier's offense of Renaissance in the SEC in the nineties, I think um what Hypel's doing, I think it's fair. What do you think?
0: I can see some some similarities there. It's it's hard to say just because what Hypel's doing isn't like radical. Like, yeah, maybe they're they're running the most plays, but it's not like a new thing to be running a lot of plays, you know. Like, Florida, I feel like what Florida and Steve Spurrier was doing, it was almost like Mike Leach, like, the the fun and gun. Uh, who's the head coach with Kentucky when they started? How uh, Mummy. Mm-hmm. Like, that was, like, that was some real, like, radical type type stuff, just approaching the game completely differently. Like, Spurrier was, like, ahead of his time with this, you know, kind of a, an innovator and everything. Like, as good as Hypel is, I can't give him that same level of, like, you know, innovation. Just because we've seen so many of these high-powered offenses run a bunch of plays, like it's not necessarily a new thing. It's new that he's doing it at Tennessee, and and they're and they're really like they're one of the best offenses in the country. But Spurrier, those are those are that's a lofty uh, comparison, right there.
1: Lofty, but I mean, it's trending. It's trending very strong all across the board, and uh, it's just. I can't say enough. Hendon Hooker has been the best quarterback in this conference this year. And I don't think it's particularly close. And I think that matters a great deal uh, when you're trying to take that next step. When you have the best quarterback in today's football, I mean, it's just you're going to win a lot of games. And Hooker is just a warrior. He's got a big sack in this one. I will say the last thing on Tennessee LSU, there were some insane fourth down attempts by... Ryan Kelly in this one, he made some just absolutely insanity uh, fourth down calls I'm that glad just you, destroyed LSU.
0: I'm glad you said that because yeah, I felt like I mean, as good as, as well as Tennessee played, I felt like going 23-7 at the half. Mm-hmm. LSU gifted Tennessee about 13 of those points mm-hmm. with with the opening kickoff fumbling it, then the the next drive you, I, I mean, a, a punt return is a is a play Tennessee made right, so you you can mm-hmm. give them credit for that. But that set him up for the next field goal, and then yeah, like you said, right before the half, to go for it on fourth, like to not just take twenty to a free seven, three points, like twenty to seven going into the half, like with how poorly you played, like that's that's fine, like just take that going into the half down two touchdowns, to just give Tennessee the ball right there on on their side of the fifty, that was that was a terrible decision.
1: Yes, it it was. But look, uh, they did it, and LSU fans are a little little uncomfortable about the state of the program with Brian Kelly at the moment. Um, but we'll see. It's a long yeah, way to go, man. Kelly's
0: under, like, a weird pressure, I feel like, like nationally. Like, this – people just became – like, Sam Pittman just made everyone become obsessed <laughs> with culture. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. the culture is just so so important. Shane Beamer – no, winning games is important. Like, Kirby Smart lost to Vanderbilt and Georgia Tech year one. Almost lost to Nichols State. Like – year one is just not the time to make like there's a reason things are bad there's a reason he's here and as a new coach is because things were not good previously so this whole like his accent and like he doesn't fit the culture of lsu like yeah but ed wardron does fit the culture better he's also a terrible coach and that's why you fired him two years after winning a national championship like you could see it so he wasn't a good coach before 2019 and he wasn't a very good coach after 2019 so like you that's like yeah have the culture all you want you gotta have a good coach you gotta win games and I, I trust Brian Kelly is going to get LSU going the right direction so I, I hope people aren't overreacting to what four and two is first six games like four and two is honestly pretty good considering this schedule in the first six games yeah
1: you just want to get seven and five and keep recruits yeah. happy you want to go the- to a
0: bowl game and get those extra bowl practices and, and whatever and yeah it, start to bring in your own guys and yeah that's how you you win that's how you change the culture
1: uh next up speaking of changing the culture uh Brent Venables uh at Oklahoma just getting destroyed mm. in three straight games Mac Green um Texas they uh a couple crazy stats first sooner shutout since 1965 uh in the series yours i thought was incredible in this one He had a lot of fun big-time throws. He's a lot more mobile than you would think, uh, but he threw for a career-high 289 yards, 21 of 31 through the air, four TDs, one pick. I mean, Oklahoma, and we should mention they didn't have Dylan Gabriel on this one, but, like, this was still – they were running the wildcat at points in this game because they were just out of options. And, I mean, this should not just be the case at Oklahoma. There's still too much talent for this to be the situation that the Sooners have found themselves in. 195 total yards, 11 first downs as a whole – um, this was from an ESPN story that I thought was wild. Quote, after, 50, after a 55-24 loss to TCU last week, the Sooners have now lost back-to-back games by more than 30 points for the first time in school history. Like, this is not just like a transition year. This is one of those where you're like, oh, <laughs> this, is, uh, <laughs> this is bad, bad, where there's losing and there's going through some tumultuous times, but this is not taking over Rutgers taken over Minnesota, taken over even Nebraska. This is Oklahoma and I understand that Lincoln Riley took a lot of talent with him to USC. I understand that. They kept a lot of talent and they did pretty well in the portal. Like there's a reason that they were a preseason top 10 team. If that if we were really worried about the talent drain from the Oklahoma transfers, we would've been like, "Oh, they're going to be lucky to get 6 and 6." Like this is just a little insurmountable. But, no, there was playoff talk. I have the receipts. I can pull up the pieces on, like, Oklahoma should be a playoff team. Dylan Gabriel should be a Heisman candidate. Like, we, all the stuff was right there where we were like, oh, this is uh, going to be a great Oklahoma team. I think it's more. I think this really does fall in the coaching more than anything. And I think Brent Venables is, I mean, <laughs> it's still, like we just said with Brian Kelly, year one. But <sighs> it's bad and see, i think there is a line where like he's teetering towards that line of like is he bad enough where we just can't afford to let the their brand diminish this much over a cultural change from Bre- I, i don't know I, I i'm concerned i i'm quite concerned what do you make of the current state of those Sooners?
0: see that's where i disagree with you because i think we just have to recalibrate our expectations like the preseason polls like we should know by now like not to not to put too much emphasis in these preseason polls. Like, they, their name is Oklahoma. That brand name is why they got playoff talk and why they were preseason top 10 and why me and you on this podcast before the season were like, yeah, they could still easily be the best team in the Big 12. Like, mm. it's Oklahoma. But with what Lincoln Riley actually took to USC with him and with just other guys that left the program, this was not just the, you know, come in and just keep the – keep the ball rolling like ryan day coming into ohio state or like lincoln riley first taking over for bob stoops like it became a rebuild once lincoln riley just like just took everything with him essentially when he went to usc everything he wanted at least so i think it's unfair to to say to panic too much because on the outside it didn't feel like a rebuild but i think we should kind of take a second look i go okay maybe this was more of a rebuild than we kind of gave this credit for to start the season and you basically took all of my texas oklahoma stats i'm not gonna blame you for it but you basically took all of them except so you had uh the 1965 part mm-hmm. i didn't know how i didn't know what year it went back to but i saw it was a 311 game streak mm-hmm. that went back to 1965 of them being shut out and also the, the, the one last that i had was this was the worst loss ever to texas 49-0 so mm. Yeah, it's definitely bad, but like I said, it's year one. The only thing that concerns you more, like with LSU, you're talking like Brian Kelly has done this. He's he built Cincinnati into a powerhouse, like or not powerhouse, but going to a BCS bowl as as about as powerhouse as a, as a group of five school gets. Took Notre Dame from the the seller to multiple playoff appearances, a BCS title game appearance, like he's got a proven track record. So like you can't just overreact to, to year one. Brent Venables, it's not nearly as a sure thing. Of like, oh, just give him some time, he's gonna work this out. You've never seen him as a head coach, and it's also a guy who's like turned down being a head coach for like a decade. And so it kind of makes you want, oh, you know, why was this guy turned <laughs> down head coach? Does he have the confidence to be a head coach? Like you could start to kind of hear whispers here and there. but like you said, they're three and three right now and the big 12 feels like a really good conference. Like they have not gotten to a lot of the good teams on this schedule. Um, they still have to play Baylor, they still have to play Oklahoma State. Like even Texas Tech beat this Texas team that just absolutely beat the brakes off of them. I would be very worried if I was Oklahoma, if I was an Oklahoma fan. Um, but on the other side of Texas, I'm just going to say what everybody's thinking and doesn't want to say. We were all rooting against Quinn Ewers, right? We saw the hair. We saw, like, who the hell is this guy? Like, went to Ohio State for, like, a payday for a year, for a year then came back to Texas. So many people rooting against Quinn Ewers. I'll say it. That mullet was just awful. Like, it, <laughs> I feel like it looks better now than it did when he's coming to high school. But maybe it's just because I respect Quinn Ewers now more but seeing this dude play he is the real deal like he he makes Texas a legit contender I think coming back in 2023 like Texas is going to be like a preseason top five top 10 team just because of Quinn Ewers alone like like he's a superstar as far as I'm concerned like he's he, he's everything he was advertised to be
1: um Quinn yours is awesome. And Texas is legit. Like I, if you go back and read, there's a case that if Quinn never gets hurt, they're undefeated right now. I think that I definitely
0: it. think so. I think it's definitely, I mean, they'd be, they'd be number two, number one, maybe right now, if they beat Alabama, like yeah. there's, especially considering how that game was going. Like we don't know that they beat up by multiple scores, but I mean, they scored 19 points in the game or they held Alabama to 20 points. I should say like, they they could have eaten with well, the way they were moving the ball with, with Quinn Ewers in that first quarter. Like, who knows how, how much they could have eaten Bam, Bam by that day?
1: Yeah, Cle- uh, Texas is back. Let me just go ahead and say that. I will say though, I'm curious. <laughs> Texas is back. Like the Sark has this thing humming. They're in they're in good shape. Um, and the defense is legit at Texas now. Can um, they win
0: the Big Twelve? They only have the one loss. Everybody plays everybody. They got the loss to Texas Tech. They don't, they don't even have necessarily have a tiebreaker loss to anybody right now. If you kind of consider... Who when do they, they have Kansas, Kansas State and where yeah, is that? With, with Kansas State, Texas, TCU, and Oklahoma State kind of being at the top of the conference right now. I mean, it's...
1: Ooh, guess what? I don't like it. Because do you know what they have back-to-back? What's that? So they get Iowa State at home this week. That's good. Then the next week, they go to Oklahoma State. And then two Kansas State back to back. I don't like it. That's I don't tough. think they get. I don't think they get through both those undefeated.
0: But I feel, it looks like I think Kansas State they do have a bye week. In they do
1: have those. a bye, so, so that's nice.
0: We'll see. I um, I I like just I like this team with Quinn Ewers. Like they they have a they have a whole different ceiling when he's when he's healthy. You
1: know what I don't like Baylor on the twenty fifth. You know where that should be? The A and M Aggies. That's what that game should be on the twenty fifth um Very but no true. shout out to the texas longhorns who are an extremely good football team i will say this though with oklahoma schedule they get kansas at home this week they get blown out by kansas at home Matt green they continue the streak they get blown out at home by kansas and then they're three and four they let's say they go to iowa state and win four and four lose at home to baylor four and five
0: we're gonna count at iowa state as a win right now for oklahoma i can't i can't guarantee anything for this team
1: I mean, at West Virginia, I guess, isn't it? Oklahoma State at home? That's the one I'm circling. If they get blown out and they're, if they lose to Oklahoma State and that prevents them from going to a bowl, I think Venables is out. I don't think five and seven, especially four and eight, I think four and eight, you're out. Um, five and seven with a blowout loss to your rival at home, getting ready to move to the SEC. I just, I don't know. I, I don't know if you can survive it at Oklahoma. It's just too big of a brand.
0: I just – I don't think you can fire anybody after one year. Four and but eight? At, at three and three, um, it's it's definitely possible they go three and three with these with these next six. I mean, if Kirby like went
1: four and eight and year one, do you think Georgia fires him?
0: No, I don't think so. Cause three and nine? It's, it's year one. I mean, three and nine is terrible. But especially when you consider uh, an SEC schedule with, like, three, three cupcakes, mostly – I guess he had North Carolina in that year one. But – yeah, three and nine obviously is terrible, but you just can't fire a guy after one year. There's just, especially in this era of the transfer portal, like just so many things. Just so I mean, many if he's not fired, then fit.
1: he's gonna have to clean house. Like everyone's out. <laughs> like there, you're gonna have to like clear out and start over on the whole staff front.
0: I think year one's just a mulligan year. You just can't you can't draw conclusions from year one. Like Nick Saban went what six and seven year one like. Mm-hmm you can have a losing record year one and like, I mean, that's with the ball. Up. I'm
1: just saying, man, it's different. You are in dangerous territory when you take it's over. Not good.
0: Po- that's for sure. It's, this is way worse than we thought.
1: Yes. I think it's, a, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying it's going to be a conversation to monitor over the course of the next several weeks. Um, Purdue, Maryland, Purdue survives late. Uh, there are four touchdowns in the final seven minutes and 47 seconds of this game. Uh, Purdue gets the big road win as they, further cement themselves as the team of the west uh in the big 10 um there was a late reversal uh, in this one that just cost the terps in really horrific uh circumstances at home they got the two-point conversion called back for a lineman downfield which i don't know if i've ever seen on a two-point conversion they get another shot uh incomplete doesn't happen uh but maryland wasn't gonna win this game and didn't deserve to when they could not score they had zero points on three Purdue second half turnovers. When you get gifted three turnovers in the second half and you get zero points out of that, you don't deserve to win the football game. What did you uh, make of it, Matt Green?
0: Yeah, I don't have much to add. I think um, you got to get points off turnovers. Uh, this Purdue team—they just keep finding a way. Like they each each week, it's just it comes down to the wire. It's like they're just like the the cardiac boilermakers If we have a, if I don't have a catchy alliteration for that one. But, um, yeah, I was impressed. I, I, we weren't sure if Aiden O'Connell was going to play in this game, mm-hmm. but he ended up powering through. And, yeah, big-time win. They look like, like you said, with that win over Minnesota last week, they look like the best team in the Big West, in the Big Ten West.
1: Maryland just cannot beat anybody in the Big Ten West. For whatever reason, they just can't do it. Um, and they're damn
0: sure not beating anyone in the Big Ten <laughs> East. That's true. I mean, it's <laughs> so just – So maybe Rutgers?
1: Maryland taking the Big Ten money, man, just – what a time, like I think they'd be a pretty solid top tier ACC program the last couple years and uh, just not a possibility in the big 10. It just, uh, I don't know. That's a tough. And is game. there
0: anyone that is is more Atlantic coast than Maryland? It's like, they even have the whole crab and seafood thing going for them. Like they're so Atlantic coast. They're right in the middle of all of those teams. Going down the entire East Coast, but but no, they're in big they're in Big Ten country.
1: There you go. But um, I'm pretty
0: sure their athletic program wouldn't exist if they if they didn't go to the Big Ten. From what it sounds like, they uh, sounds like they really needed the money.
1: I mean, hey, that's what they're doing. USC, UCLA jumping on it. Let's just follow the money, folks. Um, UGA, Auburn. The dogs blow out Auburn in the second half of this one. Uh, Robbie Ashford, 13-38 for 165 passing yards. He had a crazy fumble as he's running up the the middle of the field on a QB draw and just fumbles behind him, and he got really upset after uh, that one happened. In this one, you were at this game, so I'm curious to uh, find out about your day uh, in Athens and your awesome seats and being able to take in another beatdown of Auburn, who it's just these games have not been close for six years now. Um, Auburn... Uh, just could not do anything on offense um, they can't run the ball tink bigsby has just not been a factor all year long no one gets open uh, for this receiving core at auburn but the weirdest stat about this and auburn this whole year is auburn's only given up two touchdown passes through the air and this one georgia almost all their touchdowns that were all of them on the ground in this
0: one they were this is yeah. the third straight game for georgia without a passing touchdown Mm. Um, which is interesting because I think they're tenth like right now in passing yards per game in college football. But but yeah, just another another trip to the state of Georgia for Auburn and another game without scoring more than ten points. So it's I think what like the I think this is like the tenth straight. Uh, no, maybe not ten. Maybe it's not that many. Maybe like six or seventh straight uh, trip to the state of Georgia without scoring more than ten. So yeah, it just. I, uh, I like you said. I was at this game. Actually, the first time I've ever gone to Athens and gone downtown and then went to a Georgia game in my whole life. Like, mm. might sound kind of weird, but usually you just kind of go tailgate and then you know drink some beers, then go into the game. Um, but yeah, we actually went downtown. It was uh, it was pretty fun. Got down there pretty early and then uh, made the trek in there to into the game and. I also discovered in, like, the first quarter, maybe the second quarter of this game, that Tori just, like, does not understand point spreads at all. She's in this pick 'em, and she's in second place in this pick 'em group, by the way, out of, like, 17 people. Mm-hmm. And she just doesn't... Each week, I feel like I have this conversation of the, the point spreads. And she, so we're sitting there, like, 14 Second quarter, I'm like, you know, at this rate, it's going to be 28-0. They're not going to cover uh, 29.5. And, <laughs> and she's like... What do you mean? Twenty-nine? They have to win by thirty? I was like, yes, that's the whole thing. Like that's mm-hmm. the point spread. So have have to keep having this conversation. <laughs> Maybe she'll understand it one day. And so it was just funny because even not knowing the, the how the spread thing worked, it, she still picked the right one, and Georgia did win this game. Was it 40, 42 to ten? Was that the final? Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. it was good to see Georgia. Um, Uh, finally get back to running the ball i think that's what everyone's wanted to see kendall milton in this one this guy now is his third year on campus at georgia just can't seem to stay healthy watching it live um i in person i i just i kind of thought he got benched because he really hasn't done much for georgia this year i think he's the leading rusher but georgia's rushing game just hasn't been very good but it was i think like a hamstring that he he only got two carries in this one so you got to see a lot of Dejon Edwards, which I think a lot of Georgia fans wanted to see a lot of Dejon Edwards after last week in the fourth quarter versus Missouri. He was really the one that finally got the running game going. He had 12 carries for 83 yards and three touchdowns in this one. Um, and then Branson Robinson, the true freshman, with 12 carries for 98 yards and a touchdown. And also dual threat Stetson Bennett, sir. I know you saw this man. Uh, it was a 64-yard touchdown, absolutely moving. Stetson Bennett even had 60 plus yards rushing in this game. So Georgia almost rushed for 300 yards on the ground. So, and then still efficient through the air. Um, A.D. Mitchell was supposed to be back for this one, so I think he may, he was healthy, but he I guess he maybe Georgia wanted to save him unless they needed him type of thing so i don't i'm not even sure he played in this game but uh the only thing i will complain about um from george's performance is that brock bowers just needs to get the ball more like Mm. you just you look at a running back in college football and or just the best playmaker on the team even like you look at devontae smith's heisman year like you're, you're, you the best player on your team on your offense needs to touch the ball double digit times every single game and if Brock Bowers is that hand him the ball throw screens to him like I, he had six targets in this one so they obviously were making an effort to get him and Stetson Bennett overthrew him uh when he was wide open on what would have been like a 50 yard touchdown when he he beat his man deep um so Stetson Bennett did miss a couple deep throws early in this one but Bowers ends the game with two catches for 36 yards. Um, but like I said, six targets. That's simply not enough in my book. Like, I think this guy should get double-digit touches. If you can't get him the ball through the air, like, just hand in the, the thing to him. He's just, he's that good of a playmaker. And I'd like to see Georgia just get Bowers just more involved, especially with the struggles they've had in the red zone recently. Like, this game, you did not see those same struggles. They were able to get touchdowns every time they got in the red zone. But, but yeah, Bowers bowers needs to just be start being used like a running back, like the best like the teams use their best receiver like just just go to this guy he he changes this georgia offense
1: well do you feel better about georgia than you did the last two weeks now
0: oh i think you have to i mean you're not going to learn much from auburn like auburn's not a good team but that's why you need to destroy them you know Mm. like missouri's not a good team that's why you need to go on the road and take care of business so um, you definitely feel better uh, about just you know winning this type of blowout. Georgia's got I think Vanderbilt next week um, before the bye, and then the Florida game. So you wanted to see another like yeah, you win, you beat Vanderbilt by forty nine points like that also doesn't mean anything. So you wanted to see another good performance before playing Florida in the cocktail party. Um, but yeah, I also another fun fact for you, I did some, oh man, I don't have the numbers in front of me, did some data, Mm. did some crunching of the numbers, and I discovered that I have never seen the Georgia Bulldogs lose a game in person that wasn't in the cocktail party. Mm. So every game i've seen at kentucky and at tennessee i think that was 2010 and 2011 and then every other game i've seen at sanford stadium never seen georgia lose but my two trips to the cocktail party the joe tarashinsky game and the Faton bauta game maybe that's the case i just need to see georgia with their actual starting quarterback and not a backup quarterback um but yeah i've seen i've seen florida play three times and i've never seen florida lose See uh twice in the cocktail party and then me and my buddy actually saw florida south carolina one year down in the swamp and i've never seen florida lose and uh that, the only team i've ever seen georgia lose to is florida
1: mm. interesting okay
0: so i need to go to more games i guess
1: hey hey look, as someone who goes to a lot of college football games and a lot of just college sports games as a whole go do it it's fun it's a good time it's a good way to spend some time uh congrats to you Mac green on a big win and uh we'll see what happens uh this week who does georgia have this week
0: uh vanderbilt okay well okay i'm real real bummed about the vanderbilt 330 slot or four Mm. o'clock four o'clock or 330 it's like i think it might be the exact same time as uh alabama tennessee but Mm. yeah real disappointed about that vanderbilt you didn't knock that one out at noon i think it's probably because georgia fans have been complaining so much about the noon kickoffs like feeling like the SEC was attacking them with the the noon slate or whatever, mm-hmm. but that doesn't apply to Vanderbilt. Like get that just get that one out of the way. I wanna watch the rest. We have a ridiculous slate of college football this week. So I, I hate that I'm gonna have to be going back and forth. I might just have to set up the second T V this week. Uh, this is which, a second T V week. I think it is because that was it's like the Georgia Georgia Tech week. It's like the mm-hmm. second it's the second T V week. You're like, <laughs> I have to watch my team, but this is, this is not going to be nearly one of the best games going on.
1: There you go. Uh, Utah-UCLA. Uh, UCLA beats Utah 42-33. Uh, DTR to ESPN, quote, the or this was from the story, uh, the fifth-year senior said during the week leading up to the game that he had something to prove against the Utes, who had handedly won five straight in the series by an average of 27 points. Like, Utah owned them, and we're just beating the Bruins out of the building. This is the Bruins' first 6-0 and start since 2005, Matt Green. Um, they haven't lost, so their streak goes further than that, my friend. They've won nine straight games going back to last year. Um, it's their longest win streak since 97-98. Uh, Everything coming up 98. UCLA, is Tennessee. That
0: the, is that the longest win streak in college football? Mm. Nine straight? That's got to be, right? Because, I mean, Alabama lost in the season. Georgia, I think lost, Georgia lost SEC championship. And then
1: I think it's Clemson.
0: Okay, that that makes sense.
1: I feel like it's Clemson. I feel like remembering a stat that Clemson. I don't like. I'm pretty sure it's Clemson, but I could be wrong. It won't be by much, but I'm pretty sure Clemson no, has the most. Clemson's working with. Um, but while you're doing that, uh, that's their longest streak since they won 20 straight. Uh, in 97 through 98. So UCLA, though, the thing is, everyone's going to point to DTR, and rightfully so. He's been incredible for the Bruins, so shout-out to him. He should be in the Heisman conversation right now. But it's the defense. Like, they're in the 40s now in uh, points per game given up. Like, the defense is much improved. It's caught up to the offense. Uh, They're getting enough stops to win these big games against the Utahs of the world and the Washingtons. And look, back-to-back, that's huge wins, both at home, both big wins, but you took care of business. The Bruins are awesome. So I, I like when the Bruins are good. Uh, I hope more and more folks come out and watch. But shout out to Chip Kelly and what they're doing over there in L.A. Because the Bruins are, I think, if they're not a top 10 team, they're a top 15 team. And I, I don't see that changing throughout the course of the year. I think they're legit. What did you make of it, Matt Green?
0: Yeah, I was definitely impressed uh, with UCLA. Also, Clemson, you were correct, mm. ended the season on a six-game winning streak. Yeah. So they uh, – they're up to twelve straight. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think UCLA. This Utah defense doesn't look like the typical like stifling defense necessarily that they've been in years past. But I think this was the by far the biggest test UCLA has had to this point. And to see, I'm uh, uh, TDR DTR. I was, D-T-R, I, was yeah. I was confusing the uh, acronym there. TLDR. Uh, so, <laughs> to see <laughs> to see DTR play the way he did, and also. Um, uh, Charbonnet on the ground. Mm-hmm. They, they absolutely ran all over Utah. So yeah, I think, man, this Utah, UCLA uh, USC game. I'm just hoping these teams can uh, can run the slate until Thanksgiving weekend. And that that that's just looking to be a very uh, intriguing matchup there at the end of the season. Um, I went back to 2005, like you said, mm. their last six and zero start. And um, who do you remember from the 2005 team? They got two two NFL players. One guy, uh, I feel like he's been retired for like a decade now at this point. And the other one, I, I heard catch a pass today in the NFL. I had no idea he was still in the league. So
1: um, Maurice Jones-Drew?
0: Maurice Jones-Drew. Yeah, that was the first one. He's been retired for a while. Yeah, it's For been a while. So the the tight end on that UCLA team. You think you can tell me who it is? He caught a pass today? He caught a pass today. And even the guy on red zone was like, so-and-so sighting. <laughs> like, had no idea he was still in the league. He was a first-round pick, I want to say, back in the day. I have no idea. Who? Uh, Mercedes Lewis. Oh, Mercedes. He's, I forgot. He's again. still around.
1: He blocks well. I feel like that dude's been blocking for 10 years. He keeps getting picked. Hey, shout out to Mercedes Lewis. Um, I forgot he was a Bruin. So, there you go yeah i like it good, that, good that pull. blue visor that mm-hmm. blue visor
0: is always so sick him and Maurice jones drew rocked it um but yeah so trying to have the little visions of the early carl durell days not the current carl durell days but the the good ones uh Great. back at ucla
1: there you go um unc takes care of miami on the road UNC, Matt Green, is five and one. Have you ever, do you remember a weirder five and one power five college football team in the last couple of years than UNC right now?
0: No, I cannot. It, five and one, I was also surprised by that. Uh, we made the joke of them being uh, on their way to a Sunbelt conference title mm-hmm. after, uh, <laughs> after their Sunbelt heavy schedule to start the season. Um, but yeah, they just, they keep finding ways to win. Like every single game of theirs just comes down to the wire. And I think other than last week, I think, uh, versus Virginia tech, but yeah, I would really start to panic if I'm a Miami fan. Like, like we were mm. talking about with Brent Venables, this is year one of, of Mario Cristobal, but the talent at Miami, like it just, it didn't feel like a typical rebuild. It felt like, okay, Manny Diaz is getting some talent here. We need a coach that can that can coach it up and also get more talent because that's Cristobal's best quality he has, really, as a recruiter. So it is year one, and we don't want to freak out over year one, but this is kind of that same formula where you were talking about with Oklahoma. Like, even though it is year one, people were talking like this was a legitimate contender to win the ACC this year. They had Tyler Van Dyke, like they had the big time quarterback and everything and you know he played better in this game but you know having to throw the ball 57 times like you're just you're not going to win many football games like that like 42 yards on the ground 24 carries like yeah Mike Leach might be able to win games with 42 yards on the ground like that is not how Mario Cristobal it's not how Miami wants to play like I don't know it's I, I, I said the same thing about Venables like let's not overreact and I'm overreacting about Miami on the on the flip side but it's also because Venables is in year one as a as a new head coach like Mario Cristobal like he's an experienced coach like he should be a guy that can have a program you know not not have to take a step back before we can take a step forward so North Carolina as As good as this offense has been, they've been a very inconsistent team this year. Even though they are five and one, like you said, and it's just it feels like each week it's getting worse and worse for the Hurricanes. So, and looking at this schedule, like it's it doesn't seem like it's going to get much better either. Like they haven't necessarily reached the toughest part of this schedule yet
1: the Tar Heels are going to be like the worst 10 and two most fraudulent 10 and two team of all. Like they're going to find their way into a new year six bowl (laughs) against someone really good and just get, get pounded by somebody. But I don't know. I mean, shout out to Mac Brown for keeping this thing humming and bouncing back. Like I'm not as worried. Like if I had to pick between the two Mario or Brent, I think I'm far more concerned about Brent Venables than I am Mario Cristobal to this point. Like Tyra Van Dyke also bounced back in this one. He completed 74% of his passes, Three TDs, like, he could have imploded. He almost threw for 500 yards in this UNC secondary, which, I mean, the UNC defense is horrible, but as you alluded to, I don't know how they only ran for 42 yards in the ground. Van Dyke did have a terrible pick to end this one that iced it for the heels, but, I mean, I don't know. I think that's a tougher rebuild right now than um, Oklahoma, and I just, I think the panic meter for me of all the, rocky first year, year one coaches, I think my panic meter is still the highest of highs for Brent Venables. And I think the other guys like Kelly and uh, Mario, I'm just not, I'm not there yet.
0: I think that's fair. And it's at least like Oklahoma has been a top tier program for years and years. Miami has not, so it's guy coming year one to, to expect him to be at the top of the ACC might not have been the most realistic thing. Mm. um so he does have time i guess i'm coming from a person who's already skeptical of how good of a coach cristobal is and uh to have this i mean a guy we were literally talking about as being like a first round draft pick he he could potentially go in that bryce young cj stroud uh class of the draft like it's like the same thing that happened at oregon it's like you had justin herbert like this elite of elite quarterback and that seems like a window you kind of have as, as a, as a program when you have one of those elite quarterbacks. So it is your one don't want to overreact too much, but I uh, have not liked what I've seen from the hurricanes uh, so far this year.
1: Like no, it's just
0: three weeks in a row. Right?
1: Yes. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, Wazoo, uh, they go into Trojan country and come up just short. Um, this was never really in doubt for, um, the Trojans. they, continue to remain undefeated here, um, right there at number six in the country. They shut out, uh, Alex Grinch's defense shuts out uh, Washington State and Cam Ward in the second half, which is impressive. I mean, a bunch of penalties by Washington State in this one, 11 penalties for 106 yards. Um, And still, my favorite running stat of the college football season, USC has still not turned the ball over, and we're halfway done through the college football season. Zero turnovers through six weeks, it's insane.
0: Yeah, you're going you're gonna to win a lot of games if you never turn the ball over. That's for sure. If you just don't beat yourself, oh, there's a lot of teams out there. I mean, Kirk Ferentz has basically made his entire career off of just not beating ourselves, and eventually the other team <laughs> will beat themselves. Doesn't always work out, but it works out enough to win, like, I guess, what, 70% of his games throughout his career. But, um, yeah, I thought this was a, this was a tricky game because Washington State is a dangerous team. So mm. uh, for USC to really, really handle this game. Just, you know, hold them, shut them out in the second half. Like you said, um, I was really impressed with USC, a lot of pressure. They were getting on cam ward in this game. Um, he was having a run for his life. So yeah, big time. win. um, Caleb Williams, less than 200 yards passing, but, uh, still, still won this game by multiple scores. So yeah, I was, uh, I was impressed with the Trojans.
1: Absolutely. Um, Matt Green, uh, kind of a surprise. This was probably the one I was most iffy on uh, going in this weekend was BYU uh, in Vegas against Notre Dame. You hated these Notre Dame uniforms, but guess what? The Shamrock Series uniforms, they come out in style because guess what? The Notre Dame Fighting Irish win 28-20 as they really turned around their season uh, the last couple of weeks uh, with Drew Pine under center um, for the Fighting Irish Um, Michael Mayer was gigantic in this one, tight end, uh, 11 receptions for 118 yards from him. Uh, this was uh, this was pretty cool. So, quote this is from the AP gamer after I thought it was interesting. Uh, they said, quote the Irish ran 73 offensive plays compared to BYU's 46. It's a lot. Uh, while they outgained the Cougars 496 to 280, it was Notre Dame's second highest production on offense this season after it tallied 576 yards in a 45-32 win at North Carolina on September 24th. I mean, the defense is coming back in full form. They really limited what Jaron Hall could do uh, in this one. The defense is legit. Uh, They're figuring some stuff out. And Drew Pine's just solid. Uh, Notre Dame, they're just – they feel more complete, and they're figuring some stuff out uh, midway through the 2022 season. So another year one coach, but I think things are – uh, they avoided disaster uh, that it looked like they might be headed towards early on this season. I think Marcus Freeman deserves a lot of credit for steering the ship back around and getting a really big win uh, in Vegas against the Kooks. What did you make of this one?
0: He's definitely turned the ship around because I think of all the year one head coaches, he inherited by far the best situation. Hmm. Like that, your your guy just got the the biggest job in opening i think that was on the market this year i mean mm-hmm. maybe you could argue usc better than lsu but lsu was one of those top top tier jobs in college football so you had a guy that's taking you to the playoff every other year and you inherited a very good situation here so to see them lose to marshall and kind of mess around like they have early in the season um it was a little alarming but yeah, like you said, they they absolutely ran all over this BYU team. That's usually what BYU kind of has to their advantage, just being physical, having 25, 26-year-old grown men on their side of the line of scrimmage. Um, but yeah, Notre Dame actually absolutely ran all over them. And I was glad you mentioned the play difference because time of possession, Notre Dame had the ball for almost 41 minutes uh, mm. to 19 for uh, for BYU, so that just huge huge difference in this game. But yeah, like you said, they look like Central Florida uh, playing against BYU in this one with these these uniforms that just unrecognizable of the the tradition of the Fighting Irish like that I'm mm. I'm used to. But you know, I'm I'm an old man uh, yelling at clouds over here. So yeah, big time win uh, for Notre Dame. They needed to get back to uh, back above 500.
1: Yeah, uh, but there they are, and I think Notre Dame, uh, they're in good shape the rest of the way. I'm more and more curious about Notre Dame-USC later on this season. Um, Bama survives again. Uh, A lot has been made about that last play call by Jimbo Fisher uh, where just Haynes King to the right, it wasn't open. He was staring down the wideout. I think it was Stewart the whole time. Wasn't open, tried it anyway. Doesn't find him. Game over, Bama wins at home, and they escape. Yet again, uh, Matt Green, I just, I don't know. What was that last play call for you? Was that, uh, <laughs> I mean, just what, what did you make of the play call? What did you make of uh, A&M coming up just short of pulling it off back-to-back years?
0: I, like most of America, uh, thought it was just an awful play call, especially because Jimbo Fisher is the play caller and he's this offensive guru. It, it seems like... Do you not have a Philly special? Something you've been waiting to draw up for a two-point play? Like you're on the two-yard line, like mm. or three-yard line, one of the two. Um, like you're right there. It seems like you should have had something better drawn up. But I will say, not to play. You know, Monday Morning Quarterback, Chris Doring, storied NFL uh, college football wide receiver on SEC Network. He did defend the play call. He said that the receiver kind of was impatient with the route he ran. He kind of needed to set it up better in order for that to be open. I kind of take Chris Doring's word for it. And just knowing um, Jimbo Fisher probably knows what he's doing more than I do, right? Probably. Um, but it, on live, it just it looked like such a terrible play. And then you also heard uh, Terry on Arnold, who I think emerged as probably as Alabama's best cover corner. Um, early in the season, because I've been very critical of Alabama's secondary. Teron Arnold said he looked at Jimbo Fisher, and he was just yelling, Evan, Evan, Evan. So he's like, I knew they were going to throw it to him, basically. So maybe A&M also tipped their play call out there at the end. But it felt like, man, Alabama did absolutely everything that needed to happen in order to get upset. Like, just... It, it, this is without their back without Bryce Young their heisen winning quarterback but just how many times they put the ball on the ground just we've seen this Tennessee deep not to jump ahead to Tennessee but like Tennessee's been getting pressure on the quarterback all year like it seemed like every time that AM actually got pressure on Milroe they forced a fumble so and then you mm. also saw Jace McClellan uh, fumble in this one and then just some of these a m these freshman receivers just absolutely making just incredible catches like it felt like last year that was like a m is just playing above their ability right now like not mm. not saying Evan Stewart because that that's why he's the the advertised five star prospect but like Haynes king was just under ridiculous pressure this entire game I think and that's at the end of the day I think that's why that final play doesn't work like Will Anderson was absolutely living in the backfield, and not just Will Anderson. It, it seemed like he had about two seconds to throw the entire game. And Haynes Kings was athletic enough to actually you know, keep some plays alive. but with the amount of pressure Alabama was getting, just play in and play out, like it was it was gonna be difficult to beat them. I was, I was shocked that they just they just kind of kept him in it for four quarters, just continued to beat themselves. The one thing I'll I'll say is that play at the very end that was definitely a pass interference. If I'm not correct, if hmm. I'm not mistaken, you you didn't think that was pass interference on the last play.
1: I'm just not calling it. I don't like that ever being called in the last play. I, I like defense it. can't just
0: do whatever they want because it's the last play though. I
1: kind of err on the side that like unless it's really really outrageous.
0: Well, I felt I mean I, the dude was grabbing the jersey. I think you could clearly see that he was interfering, but regardless, and let me be clear, unless
1: this affects Tennessee, and if it affects Tennessee, then <laughs> that interference
0: that occurred with like six seven seconds left. So the guy mm-hmm. intercepts it in the back of the end zone, takes a couple steps, knees it. Now there's three seconds. Then when we run that play back and they get the one play from the from the two yard line, there's only three seconds left. And if the interference occurs with six, with six, seven seconds left, like to my knowledge, that's how much time should be on the clock. So hmm. if there's six or even seven seconds left, AM gets two plays from the, from the two yard line. I think that had a huge impact on the end of this game. And I could be wrong. Maybe it's supposed to be three seconds, but I think there should have been more time on the clock.
1: Interesting. Who cares? They lost. A&M shouldn't have won this game because, like, they had opportunities. Like, I, I just, man, four turnovers from Bama. Two missed field goals. Bama kickers are back. Two missed field goals, yeah. Bama kickers, they're back. And you didn't take care of business. And I will say, this Jimbo quote is the most Jimbo quote of all time. Did you see what he said after the game? Uh, no, I don't think I did. He said, quote, we're playing the backup quarterback too, Fisher said. Two good teams locked oh, up geez. and battled and went at it, and we showed what we're capable of. Haynes King started the season, my friend. It's not a backup quarterback. Like Max Johnson's out for the year, but like that was your backup. Max Johnson came in for Haynes King. That's not the same thing as Jaden Milrow stepping in for Alabama. It's not it the same. He kind of
0: is, though, because he got benched. so the guy that they determined was the better quarterback is Max Johnson. So he is still the backup.
1: But, you know, that's just like, all right, like, then why did you start and begin with? Why was Haynes King the starter in week one?
0: Like, Dwan Mathis started the, the 2020 season for Georgia. And True. when he came in for the, in that Florida game, he was the backup quarterback coming in. And he clearly had no business being the quarterback at, at the University of Georgia. Uh, the other missed opportunity, like you said, four turnovers, two missed field goals from Alabama. Also, to start the third quarter, coming out the very first play of the third quarter just one of the worst throws you'll see Jalen Milrow just hits the corner absolutely in the chest and A&M couldn't take advantage of an early interception there. And I mean, that was Alabama's only touchdown drive in, in the second half. So Mm. another missed opportunity there. So Alabama, you know, maybe this is just, maybe we should interpret this as a strength of Alabama's that, they can make all these mistakes, have their backup quarterback, and still beat, well, what's now looking like one of the worst teams in the SEC West, but maybe one of the middle teams. I don't know. It's a quality SEC West opponent. And so maybe it really just tells you how good this Alabama team is that Bryce, they get Bryce Young back and um, and things are just back to normal. But it's also interesting, like we saw the national championship versus Georgia in 2017. The mm. SEC championship the following year in 2018. Like, backup quarterback had to come in and they didn't miss a beat. Like, right now, this team seems very reliant on Bryce Young. Like, they seem, they do not seem nearly as deep as they were in past years. Like, you, I mean, you heard the whole offseason talking point of if John Mechie and Jamison Williams aren't are, are healthy, then they, they win the national championship. So, to have. Their entire season hinge on the health of two wide receivers in 2021, and now maybe the entire season hinge on the health of the quarterback in 2022, that's just not the Alabama we're used to. We're used to just the next man up, regardless of who's out, it doesn't really matter. then the guy behind him's a five star and he's a future NFL player. Right now, it maybe maybe they're not as uh, as immune to adversity as they have been in the past. Absolutely.
1: Um, last game here real quick, uh, we had FSU. I said Matt Green going in this weekend. It just I, I felt like the Florida State fire had fizzled. I I felt like it was out. I felt like the lost awake really could lead to a slide here. Now they got Clemson ahead this week. I mean, this is a game you cannot lose. Another one where I just you had NC State on the ropes. Devin Leary was out of this football game due to injury, and they could not take care of business. Wolfpack win nineteen seventeen. Florida State shut out in the six in the second half sixteen to nothing. Like you just that can't happen. Two picks uh, in the final seven minutes for Jordan Travis. I mean, the backups for Devin Leary, Jack Chambers, and Thayer Thomas um, went one to two for minus five yards after uh, Devin Leary went out. None of it mattered. Florida State still could not take care of business and really get that... I mean, LSU was cool at the beginning of the year, but like you have to get the big ACC tier two wins, tier one. Like If you want to really show progress as a program, you cannot lose to Wake and then blow this game on the road at NC State the way you did. I mean, this is just... Back-to-back absolute gut punches if you're a Florida State fan where you thought you might be turning the corner with Norvell and now you're like, we're going to be lucky to get to 7-5. and What did you make of it?
0: Yeah, without a doubt. This is just a missed opportunity with with Devin Leary going out in this one. Up 17-3 at the half. Scored 17 points in the second quarter. Um, In the second half, they ran 23 plays for 73 yards the entire Mm. half. They had nine plays for 70 yards on the final drive. (laughs) So before that, so their second-half possessions, they went punt, 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 interception, interception. They got 70 of their 76 second-half yards on that final drive. And, yeah, big-time props to NC State for uh, stepping up the defense, getting it done when the offense kind of had to carry the load for the offense, um, this 1917 win and i think that's why i that's why i was i was big on this nc state team coming into this season because they brought all the starters back on defense and a potential dark horse heisman candidate at quarterback who hasn't really played like that so far but yeah you see him him go down and for nc state to still pull this out that's a it's a big time win for nc state probably won't i won't say it doesn't mean anything losing to clemson is is going to really define their season because they essentially have a two game lead on them in the ACC Atlantic. But I mean, NC State, they could position themselves for sure to to make a, a power uh, New Year's Six Bowl. So I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's where the ceiling I feel like is for this program now that the ACC championship is most likely uh, out of reach. Obviously, there's a lot of time left, but I don't think many of us seen Clemson losing two more games at this point. But yeah, Big-time win for NC State uh, to pull this out and survive. But, yeah, more importantly, just such a missed opportunity for Florida State.
1: Um, a couple other ones we should run through real quick as we wrap up here on a uh, Sunday night, my friend. Um, we had uh, Oregon State went with 13 seconds remaining on a go-ahead TD. The the Cardiac Beebs moved to 4-2. and two. 0 and 4 in the Pac 12 for David Shaw. Was there a
0: name for the uh, that Vikings Saints play Fears Mm. back? The Stephon Diggs. I feel like there was, like the Minneapolis Miracle Miracle. or something like that. That was definitely the. Was this in Corvallis? Was Uh, no, this was in Stanford. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Definitely had shades of that that (laughs) Minneapolis Miracle. Like that was just. Oh man, I just don't understand how that kind of thing (laughs) happens. Like. The, the the Viking Saints one seemed like a straight up video game. Like the guy, mm-hmm. like the guy pl- pressed the hit stick when the receiver came in and he didn't even make a play on the ball. This was like the safety just came over and helped and just kind of watched the play happen and an absolute ridiculous catch and run. But yeah, that was a that was a classic college football play. I'm I'm mad at myself. Shouldn't be too hard on myself because I had a long day of college football. Passed out on this one was like second, third quarter. Uh, but I saw it uh, the next day. But, yeah, crazy finish.
1: Uh, Chanticleers, stay perfect at UL Monroe. Uh, 6-0 Cl- and Clears 9-6, Illinois <laughs> takes down Iowa. Another great Iowa effort in this one. Illinois, quietly, 5-1. Brett Bielma doing great work uh, in Champaign. Um, we had...
0: Uh, Iowa is literally the opposite of Texas A&M. Like, yes. A&M find, seems to find a way to win these games and they score 10 13 points but iowa they should probably try to find a way to win these games if their strategy is going to be score 10 points a game
1: uh Georgia tech undefeated since moving on from jeff collins i they might go bowling <laughs> they they move up to a three and three on the season they beat duke um at home uh let's see how couple... many
0: wins does brent key need to be the head coach
1: I, I, he's not keeping that job um
0: if if Georgia Tech goes to a bowl game Brent Key will be the next head coach. I don't think so. Ah, uh, I don't know. How
1: That's an Ed know. Orgeron stuff. You are the Ed Orgeron preacher. Brent Key's an Ed Orgeron type guy there. You you have been the the leader in this Don't fall in love with the interim tag.
0: But LSU first of all they got a national championship out of Ed Orgeron. So even like well, that, that has to be a... that has to be considered a success, you know, Ed mm-hmm. Ordron, even if he didn't make it much longer than that. But Georgia Tech just d- does not have the cachet of like going out and getting also if they wouldn't have given Ed Ordron the job, they probably would have hired what's his name that went to Texas, right? Mm. Uh, I'm blanking on his name right now. On, Herman. Sark? Or, oh, no, Tom Herman, Herman. Yeah, because he was like the hottest name out there at that time. Mm. Um, but I mean, Georgia Tech's just not going to get the hot name. So if Brent Key, like this is a guy who took a lateral move as Alabama's offensive line coach to be Georgia Tech's offensive line coach, like that's a lateral move that you just do not see. This guy's a Georgia Tech guy through and through. Like, I think if he actually gets some wins, some positivity in the program, like I wouldn't rule out Brent Key for a second. Like, can they really get Deion Sanders or... I don't know, like, who's the best guy that Georgia Tech can really get that wants to go to Georgia Tech?
1: I don't know. We'll see. I'm just, I'm not even close to being there if you're Georgia Tech. Um, Wisconsin, 42-7 over Northwestern. Northwestern falls to 1-5. Five. Wisconsin, five TDs for Graham Mertz uh, this week. Uh, so, maybe they may have something with Jim Leonard. Now, he is an interim that I think has a very real shot of keeping that job. Um, Georgia Southern battle for southern not state and georgia state takes care of georgia southern 41-33 the thurs state get a win. not southern yeah that's a big uh, big thing uh louisville gets a much-needed win um, virginia falls to 0-3 in acc play 34-17 um florida t- survives late against mizzou to move to 24 uh, they went 24-17 they moved to florida 4-2 um mississippi state crushes arkansas uh 40 to 17 that was i i picked mississippi state but i did i mean arkansas man three and three they're not going to finish last in the sec west but their schedule if you look at it i don't know man uh this is a, a, a down year i think for arkansas unfortunately for the last year at kj jefferson um yeah, speaking
0: of a team that's just absolutely reliant on the quarterback they're yep. a completely different team without kj jefferson i think for sure you saw it yeah No, they weren't. This wasn't even competitive.
1: Um, Mississippi State, Georgia, at the end of the year, is going to be quite interesting in Starkville.
0: For all the talk about Georgia's schedule coming into this season, there are potentially five current-ranked teams on Georgia's schedule. Hmm. They've played Oregon, who's number 12 right now, like they'll have to play most likely Alabama if they get to the SEC championship. You get Tennessee at six, Mississippi State at what, sixteen, mm-hmm. Kentucky in there. Like this Georgia schedule might be a little sneaky good. I'm this Mississippi State that game in Starkville, I mean, that could be depending on how Mississippi State season goes, like you know how they like to look for an opportunity to go to those locations that they don't go to a lot. Like mm-hmm. Mississippi State hosting Georgia could be a big one.
1: For sure. Uh, Arizona State stuns Washington, 45-38. An awful, awful look from Arizona State, uniform-wise. I don't know what those monstrosities were. They have great uniforms. Why is Sparky not on every helmet that they're ever wearing? Like, Arizona State has a great color combo. It's unique. They have the great Sun Devil mascot. This is not that hard. I don't know what the did. Did you see what they were wearing for this one against UW?
0: Were these, like, throwbacks or something?
1: I think so. And they were horrible.
0: Yeah, that does not look like Arizona State. No. They're, they got to have the bright yellow in there or something to be. Give Arizona me Sparky. State. He's got to be
1: on there. Um,
0: Fun fact yeah. do you know who Sparky was designed to look like? I do not. Um, the inspiration for the Sun Devil mascot was Walt Disney. Hmm. The guy, uh, it was a former disgruntled Disney employee that was not a big <laughs> fan of Walt Disney. And his inspiration for a literal devil logo was Walt Disney.
1: Oh, wow. I didn't know that.
0: Fun fact for you. But, I mean, I guess they're not even using that uh, that one like they used to.
1: I mean, they on have. Pitchfork. It still pops up. I mean, I think They it's go still... with that pitchfork usually yeah. now. I don't know. You need to bring him back. Bring Sparky back. Um, last one real quick. Uh, Shane Beamer beats uh, Kentucky without Will Levis on the road 24-14. Um, guess this is a signature win for that program i mean no will levis was a big part of this it's fine they want it but as a friend of the pod ryan Shepard said on twitter is every win an emotional win for shane beamer like you see the post game thing yeah, and he's, i was
0: waiting for this
1: everyone's emotional like he's in there and he's just pumped up and it's just like everything is so emotional and do or die it's just like, all right. Can you just get a win? Can it just be normal? You need to have a normal win at some point. Every win's emotional for for Beamer's gamecocks, and no shade there. But I mean, I guess there's a little shade. There's like, so
0: much <laughs> shade there. What are you talking about? I um I knew you were gonna mention this on the pod because I saw this video, and I my some of my friends were like just clowning Shane Beamer. <laughs> One of my guys in in the group thread is a Clemson fan, and so obviously you don't like South Carolina either. But I I'm all for it. Like, just get hype after a win. Like South Carolina, how many how many of these do you have? Really?
1: They do like, this every win. Every win is like You this. gotta
0: celebrate your wins. You beat a ranked team, maybe they didn't have Will Levis, but on the road too, like this is a big time win for South Carolina. What and you need to uh you need to get <laughs> just, just take it, take it easy. They're not on Tennessee's level, you know. They gotta celebrate what they can. They, uh, the Gamecocks. I, I don't, I don't dislike it. I feel like everyone, everyone's so critical of Shane Beamer these days and his, his social media presence. But yeah, the team was getting hype. I was getting hype. Honestly, watching it, like it was. I'm all for it. <sighs> I am not. I am not here for it whatsoever. Can't do it.
1: <laughs> I just it needs to end at some point and hopefully uh with a 45 70.
0: did you i mean did you hear about this they were co-coach of the years last year, <laughs> the year did you see that i've heard you mention that once or twice um the last one you didn't mention that i mm-hmm. wanted to uh, bring up uh somehow staying undefeated in uh in conference play wait they are in, now i'm questioning that they are <laughs> undefeated in conference play who are we talking about um, they are uh kansas state wildcats uh 10 to 9 absolutely just escape versus iowa state uh they feel like a ticking time bomb at some point they're gonna drop a game um but i saw i want to i wish i was shouting out the right person i want to say it was Stuart mandel but uh someone said tweeted out that adrian martinez was having like the most eric crouch season of all time and it just has to be even doubly brutal for Nebraska fans out there. Like, the way, the way Adrian Martinez is exactly how Nebraska fans want their quarterback to play. But, yeah, winning games 10-9, Kansas State, it's only a matter of time, I think, till they, till they drop one in the Big 12.
1: Um, me quitting the Wildcats was the best thing that ever happened to this program. Like, me just being like, I'm out, I can't do this anymore. And I put them in the big 12 title game before the year. And I'm looking like, that's a great pick, but me leaving, I can't take credit anymore because I left the bandwagon. I left when they were down and out. And ever since they haven't lost a game.
0: And that's what th- you did. You you uh, you don't deserve any credit for anything Kansas no. State does this point moving forward. Um, but it was definitely a uh, an easier start to the schedule. Obviously that Oklahoma win is mm-hmm. a huge win. But, yeah, they're about to go through the gauntlet this next three weeks. is going to tell us uh, what they're really made of at TCU, Oklahoma State at home, and then Texas at home. So we'll see. They are still unbeaten in the conference, even though they have that, just, that ugly loss to Tulane just sitting there. But they are 5-1 and one overall. There you go.
1: For that guy... Down there in Dekula, Georgia, Matt Green. Uh, Follow on Twitter at Matt underscore W underscore Green. Follow myself at Chase underscore Thomas up here in Knoxville, Tennessee. That is all I've got, my friend. Uh, We'll be back. Preview. Week seven, man. Week seven on the horizon this week. An absolute just crazy affair here in Knoxville, Tennessee. College game day, SEC Nation. Everybody who is somebody in college football coming up for Tennessee Alabama where the city will burn whichever way that game goes so um, <laughs> very excited and also terrified uh, for what lies ahead uh, in the biggest week of Tennessee football I mean in my adult life uh, it's uh, it's pretty wild that we're here but uh, very excited about what's to come uh, this week because it's going to be a big test Saturday I don't know what you want to call this weekend but uh big game Saturday I don't know where we want to go but there's a lot of power, powerhouse games where several teams will fall out of the top ten, I think. Yeah, uh, maybe
0: uh, maybe Crossroads Saturday, something like mm. that. It's going uh, to be big to see who the, who the contenders and who the pretenders are, if you
1: will. Absolutely. Matt Green, I will talk to you in a couple days.
0: Yes, sir.
1: Nicely done, nephew.